0: Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. On The Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, Executive Director at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Laura Forte on our show today. As a real estate entrepreneur, Laura has bought, managed, renovated, and sold her own investment properties, as well as investing in rights and mics. A former journalist and writer in the real estate sector, Laura brings more than a decade of expertise in building companies. From the early days of YouTube, Facebook, and social media, Laura's last venture was a digital marketing agency that specialized in internet marketing, enabling startups and SMEs to grow from ideation to multi-million dollar revenues. Now co-founding her third company, Laura's expertise in marketing, journalism, and her own real estate investing led her on the path to co-creating Retium a real estate equity crowdfunding platform and SaaS that utilizes smart contract technology to provide accessibility while simplifying the process of investing, allowing people across the globe to invest in income generating real estate, enabling real estate for everyone. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you,
1: I'm happy to be here.
0: Fabulous. Before we dive into today's conversation, what's the most important thing you want our audience to take away from our chat today?
1: Well, there's obviously lots of important things, but um, I'd actually like to say two things if that's okay. Mm -hmm, Um, One thing would be if you're not an entrepreneur already, um, fulfilling the dream of starting your business. I know it's very hard, um, but sometimes most often doing it, uh, sorry, not doing it is often harder than actually doing it. Mm -hmm. So I don't really believe in failure or mistakes in business. Um, I'd rather have tried than regret not doing it. And if you're already in business, um, I would say don't be afraid to pivot. We had to pivot uh, last year and it was difficult um, in a lot of ways emotionally and actually when it came down to pivoting, it was difficult, but it actually allowed us the more success and focusing on something that we didn't intend to focus on first um, allowed us to refocus now this year on what we were intentionally set out to do in the beginning.
0: Fantastic. So let's let's go back to the beginning of, of your career and talking about your entrance into the real estate world. What inspired you to enter this specific field and how did you make that initial transition?
1: Yeah, so I didn't intend to go into real estate. Um, you know, I went to school for psychology and journalism, um, but I do believe that real estate is in my blood. Um, my grandpa was a builder. My dad was a realtor. So I'm from a very entrepreneurial, real estate focused family. Um, my parents were property managers, um, and you know, I I owned my own properties uh, in my late 20s, early 30s, and I never lived in my properties. I had them as um, They were basically multifamily residential rental properties that I decided to own one day, which is another story, obviously. Um, But I've always believed in real estate. And I always knew that, um, you know, after reading these Rich Dad, Poor Dad books uh, by Robert Kiyosaki, I always knew that owning your own properties was that you lived in was not necessarily an asset. So owning rental properties or properties as an investment was my focus always. So that was my real entry into the real estate world was more uh, from an investment perspective, mm-hmm. more than doing it for a career, so to speak. So, as a trained journalist, I then went on to be a writer in, and a digital marketer in the real estate space for a real estate office uh, back home in Ontario. Um, and then, you know, when I got bored with the digital marketing, I did that for almost a decade. Um, I decided to get into the startup world and tech, which tech's always been exploding in the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Um, and so that's how I actually transitioned into the current company that we have now, which is a real estate tech company.
0: Fantastic. And what appealed to you about bringing real estate and blockchain tech together? How did you see that marriage working out? (laughs)
1: It's a very good question. So basically, um, long story short, two friends and I were working on a passion project. We decided to create a travel app. Um, We were big travelers, and Mm. we really wanted to create something that we would use on the road. And we thought, oh, this is an amazing million-dollar idea. Um, And so we ended up going to lots of conferences together and just learning And, you know, this blockchain thing started coming up a lot. And so one day we basically went to a conference, this is 2017, and um, there was a hackathon at this conference. And a hackathon is basically where you go into the basement and you have ideas and you code and you hack kind of all night long and you come up with a solution. And the question was, how can you bring blockchain to the real world? What real world um, play can you incorporate using blockchain? So we had an idea of marrying um, real estate, specifically title deeds, um, to blockchain. So one of my friends who's my co-founder, um, his background, he's from Africa. And so in his country, um, in Kenya, they, there was a lot of title deed fraud. And so we thought, you know, if we have title deeds on the blockchain, it, you can't fraudulate that. Um, Because blockchain is immutable, which means you actually can't change anything. Um, There's no way for human error because blockchain is actually what they call decentralized. Mm -hmm. So it's actually taken away from people managing it. It's mostly computers that manage it. Um, And so what we decided was that to put title deeds on the blockchain and we end up winning this hackathon. So we took this idea to our third friend, you know, this guy that we were doing the travel app with, and we're like, we have a better idea. We should pivot away from the travel app and we should do this real estate blockchain. So we found out that doing the title deeds on the blockchain was uh, a big process because you have to deal with governments, et cetera. Mm. So we decided to come up with an idea of crowdfunding real estate so everybody could own a portion of a property. We live in a very expensive city. We live in Vancouver. You know, there's lots of expensive cities around the world. And people are being priced out, um, mm-hmm. people who aren't basically rich. So we thought, you know, why shouldn't everybody have the opportunity to own real estate? And if you own just a portion of the real estate, have it as an investment, you know, it's managed by somebody else. Um, and you can actually physically have this asset um, that you can go ba- go by and look and see. And so this was where the idea started. Um wow. So, right away, we had incredible reception. We raised over a million dollars from friends and family. We found ourselves winning competitions, you know, within the first year of our business. Um, So, at the end of the day, inequality was what spurred the idea for this whole business. You know, the rich keep getting richer Mm -hmm. while the rest of the people merely get by living paycheck to paycheck. So, for us, it was the financial inclusion piece Mm -hmm. um, and that everybody should have the opportunity to grow their wealth. And we actually see real estate as a very safe and stable way to do so. Everybody lives in a property. Everybody understands real estate to the degree that, mm-hmm. you know, it's the golden goose and we should all own this mm-hmm. thing. But if it's so unaffordable, you know, you need 100000 for a down payment um, in many places. That's just out of reach for most people.
0: Interesting. That's such an interesting evolution of seeing all of the various ideas and where you are now um, versus where you started. And love a good hackathon to get uh, the juices flowing to identify some fabulous business ideas. Incredible. And just this movement, you know, democratizing real estate. um, You know, we see that in many markets across the Canadian space and and international scalability as well. But this is a challenge that is felt really, you know, internationally. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So what were the biggest challenges that um, you embarked on or that you experienced and encountered um, when it came to this, to this initial uh, business idea, looking at real estate um, and investing in ventures, particularly as a woman? What, what barriers did you see at the beginning of your journey?
1: Yeah, well, what we found out, um, you know, at the beginning of any good hackathon, everybody's pretty oblivious to what what the hoops are that you need to jump through, (laughs) right? So um, we quickly realized that we were not selling real estate because that's a whole asset play, like you're selling the entire property. We found out that we were selling what's called a security. And so... What that means is that when you cut up something into smaller pieces, it's not um, classified in the same way. Mm. So, we had a lot of issues with regulations. So, mm. with regulations, when we we're selling a security, you have to do very different things. You have to be licensed, you have to be very careful with what you say. Um, there's something called accredited investors and retail investors. And accredited investors, you know, they're the top 1%. Most of the people are retail, which means that you have to be careful with what you say to the retail investors. They have a lot of, um, challenges that they can't get into certain things. So this whole idea of crowdfunding, mm-hmm. um, this appeals to these retail investors. So we had to be really careful with how we position it, how we speak about it. And we've been working with the regulators so that, you know, at the beginning, it was a, a big challenge and, um, we were getting audited by regulators cause they thought we were doing something that we weren't doing, et cetera. Um, and so Thankfully, now we're on a good path with regulators and doing everything in the appropriate way. So personally, for me as a woman, there's so many challenges, of course. I'm in a very male-dominated industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, tech, real estate, blockchain, mm-hmm. um, it's all very male-dominated. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because at the end of the day, um, it really comes back to myself. If I'm showing up as me, if I have the knowledge, if I have the confidence, the more practice that I get, the more I'm more comfortable with speaking on stage, the simpler it actually becomes and the more people decide to listen to me. So, of course, at the beginning, I was thinking, you know, um, I'm a woman and, you know, when we go across the world to certain countries, that's um, not very revered to have women on stages and this kind of thing. So at the beginning, I was sort of hard on myself and questioning that. But the more I just stopped caring or stopped listening to that, you know, that negative voice in my head um, and just showing up, it got a lot easier. And then when I show up with confidence, it gives everyone else the confidence as well. And, but it, I'm telling you, it wasn't easy, of course, as we all know.
0: Mm-hmm. And seeing, you know, with uh, Redium being your third company that you've started in this sort of serial entrepreneur <laughs> behavior that, that we're seeing across your various ventures, how has that supported you on your journey? Switching industries, um, you know, bringing uh, internet marketing and, and your startup expertise into your new ventures. How has that looked as sort of a renaissance woman, if you will, tackling so many different uh, thematic areas and different areas in your life?
1: Yeah, honestly, it's all come together. Yeah. And it's funny because when I look backward, I'm like, oh, that's why I worked, you know, in digital marketing for this real estate company. And yeah. that's why I was so interested in that. It's it's actually fascinating. And I personally, um, you know, I was a content creator, a digital marketer back in the day, a journalist back in the day as well. And mm-hmm. I personally don't really believe in niching yourself or niching, as Americans say. Mm-hmm. I don't really believe in niching or niching down so much. Um, I believe that obviously we all have an ideal client that we're trying to um, market to in that kind of thing. But if we narrow ourselves too much, then we're only an expert at one thing specifically. Mm-hmm. And of course, that used to be the way that it was back in the day. But I see the next generation as mostly Renaissance people. Mm-hmm. And what I truly believe and how we look for employees in our company as well, and a lot of tech companies look for people in this way too, is if you're a really cool person and you've got the same uh, morals, values, integrity, work ethic, etc. we will find a role for you. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you start out in marketing, but then maybe you're interested in computer design or UI or UX, and they can train you from within the organization. So, having this intrapreneur, so intrapreneur is like somebody who works within a company but has an entrepreneurship mentality, having this mentality, whether you're an intrapreneur or entrepreneur, you need to be doing all these things Mm -hmm. Um, even if you're not the one acting or doing uh, the task as a business owner i need to know how to do the thing so i can delegate and teach other people how to do these things as well so i truly believe that you know as a founder um, i'm the head of operations head of marketing etc i need to know how all of these things work even if i'm not in the role Mm -hmm. and i believe that all of my past experience has culminated to this point Mm point which is fascinating and really cool. I
0: love it. Just the the nonlinear journey, I think, serves us so much more beautifully than just um, you know, following the bouncy ball through a predetermined um, path forward. Uh, and I always find those that we interview on the Thrive Podcast, I'm so much more compelled by their stories and their journeys because it brings them to such a more interesting place uh, that's built on all different types of building blocks. So I love that as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, one thing I'll just say is that, you know, we're dynamic people. Like mm-hmm. in my past, I was a snowboard instructor and I do astrology readings and these kind of things. And it's like all of that comes together because we do have all different kinds of interests mm-hmm. and we are fully well-rounded people. Just because I do one thing for my job doesn't mean I don't have lots of hobbies and everything on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe that how you show up in life, whether it's sports or art or whatever your interests are, this is how you show up with your business as well. Mm-hmm. And it translates for sure.
0: Agreed. Were there or are there any women role models that you've been able to learn from uh, now, or you know, across all of your different ventures?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say my biggest role model has been my mother. Um, she's one of the most tenacious people that I know. Um, you know, she never asks for or wants anything. Like she's very, uh, she's got a lot of humility. She was always the heart and the backbone of our family. She's an artist and a businesswoman. Um, she was never settling for anything and always creating she was always going for it. So she always taught us, my brother, sister, and I, um, you know, that we could do anything if we put our heart and our head into it. So I was actually very lucky to be born to two entrepreneurial parents. Mm -hmm. Um, And from a young age, I actually learned about the illusion of stability, and how to think very critically. So growing up, you know, sometimes we would have a lot of money, like my dad was a commercial realtor. So he would sell shopping malls, gas stations, that kind of thing. So as you can imagine, it's like feast or famine, Mm -hmm. right? So Learning those ups and downs financially, um, the constant change all the time, um, and really this this early learning, I believe, modeled me to think the way that I do, and allowed me to be flexible when starting a business, um, especially with the failure and starvation piece. Mm. Um, so learning how to fail, I I realized that it's never final, you know. And what motivates me is to keep pushing and iterate where needed and pivot, you know, if, if that's needed as well. So I do believe that everyone shows up in business the same way they show up in life, as I said before. Um, and this is, this is the way that it's going to be probably across the board. Um, the cool thing is, is that we have free will and the ability to change these things too. Mm-hmm. Another person um, that more recently has really affected me was a realtor that I worked for back in Burlington, Ontario. Um, she is an incredible realtor, Karen Paul. And um, she was a really really amazing guide for me uh, in a time where I was, I was going through a bit of a difficult time in my personal life and you know switching careers or mindsets or um, you know I say it with fluidity now but at the time it was very sticky and she actually was a really strong guiding light um, it took me under her wing in the real estate sector and got me into real estate marketing and that kind of thing Um She's also a very tenacious woman and and really looked up to her and still do, actually. She's still a good friend. So um, the other thing is, uh, I know it might lead into your next question, but mentorship, I'm actually finding it difficult now to find a mentor. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So so what advice do you have um, for women who are looking to seek mentorship? Um, And, you know, you've acknowledged that this is a challenge. Do you have any tips or any areas that you have explored as you've looked for a mentor, either successfully or unsuccessfully?
1: Yeah, I've I've been actively looking for a mentor for probably about a year. Um, what I'll say is that I, I'm actually mentoring somebody right now. We met at an event, and I just offered to mentor her, and she, uh, she was very interested in being a mentee. Um, personally, the organizations that arrange everything, I didn't jive with a lot of the formalities and very strict ways of having to hand things in mm. and very assignment-focused. Um, and I, I personally also didn't really love that there was money involved. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that mentorship works the best when people come with their own free will and desire, um, instead of like more of like a classroom setting of like, you have to complete these assignments and check in and there's money and all these things Mm -hmm. that just didn't feel the best for me, but it is hard. It's hard to find somebody. I'm still looking for somebody. I'm in my late thirties and what I'm finding is that people, um, who I would want to be my mentor or are so far out of reach or are like in on the same sort of level as me, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And obviously I want somebody who's leaps and bounds ahead of me so I can learn from them. So it's tough. Um, but I would recommend there's a lot of amazing groups on Facebook um, I don't know about across the country, but specifically in Vancouver, there's a lot of amazing ones. Girl Gang, I think that's that's countrywide, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Facebook groups, even just asking in these groups, and it could be more of uh, like a loose mentorship. Um, and giving both the mentor and the mentee that responsibility to direct it, I think, especially in an entrepreneurial mindset and setting, um, is imperative. There's another one called uh we are flick flik dot com. I don't I haven't worked with these people, but this is more of like an apprenticeship idea where you would get people on for a small chunk of time to help you with your business and they would actually learn as well. So I'm not too sure about this one exactly, but a friend mentioned it to me lately that I'm gonna look into. Yeah. But it's tough and it's tough if you can't see people in person. Mm. So I, I don't really have an answer unfortunately for this. Just online groups I would say Joining associations as well, Um, so women in business associations, uh, just even Googling associations in Canada or, you know, North America and just joining those associations, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. No, and I, I actually really appreciate this answer. That I find many women entrepreneurs struggle with finding a mentor, and it's it's hard when you see so many other business owners having these mentors, and you wonder, you know, where did they find that person? Like, is it friend? Is it family? Did they meet at a networking event? Um, so it's actually a, a great perspective to say that it is challenging to find a mentor at a particular stage in your entrepreneurial journey that that fits what you need. And and I respect the fact that you haven't pigeonholed yourself into a program that hasn't felt like a right fit. Um, So Thrive Podcast listeners, uh, if anyone has any Mm -hmm. mentorship uh, 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 suggestions for Laura, definitely reach out to us. But I appreciate that perspective because it is challenging finding the right fit there. Um, Another note on that actually, Flick uh, actually recently won a a uh, startup Canada pitch competition around the SDGs, so uh, I can definitely yeah. vouch for Flick and and they're they're a great um, organization based out west that uh, definitely could could offer some valuable support. Uh, but that that's funny that you mention it. It's a, such a small world in the entrepreneurship <laughs> space, isn't it?
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. And one thing I do want to say is like obviously like we have a lot of advisors in our company, and most of them are men. And it's not to say that a male mentor doesn't work or isn't good. But for me as a woman, I want to have kids. I want to have a family. I want to have it all. And I just really feel that women would get that more than Mm -hmm. men would. Mm -hmm. And it's not against any gender or anything like that, but it's, it's, um, I really would like to see a woman that I would like to be in 10 years, so to Mm -hmm. speak.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. No, definitely important. So what other aspects working in startups uh, and working around startup culture have you experienced, particularly as a woman entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I would say something that I've noticed, and this goes back to the question that we were talking a little bit about before, um, you know, about my own confidence and showing up and that knowledge prevails gender. But I would say taking advantage of it because a lot of the times um, panels or um, conferences are looking for, you know, the token woman speaker. And I don't mind being the token woman, taking advantage of those spots. so looking into what's out there and what's available um, and, and using that to your advantage. I'm, I'm in a lot of groups that are women-focused. Um, there's a lot of women-only panels, a lot of women-only interviews. Um, and so looking for those places and being at the forefront of people's minds that you are a woman who does want to speak, who does have a voice. Um, and even if you don't, joining those to listen and learn from people who have come before you. Mm.
0: Yeah. I love that message. Take up the space. <laughs> Ladies, yeah. let's take up some space. That sounds fantastic. Um, and so final takeaways, Laura, with there are a lot of crunchy um, you know, insights that you provided throughout this conversation. If there's one additional learning or um, piece of advice that you'd like to share with our listeners, what would that one last piece be?
1: One piece, eh? Well, <laughs> again, I have or two. three.
0: two. Or three. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. I-
1: I have three that I really love um, to talk a little bit about. So Mm -hmm. they would be um, failure, fluidity, and focus. And Mm. in failure, learning how to fail fast, brush yourself off and move on. And I use failure in air quotes because I believe there's no failure, there's no mistakes. But, you know, almost everyone who has started a a company has created, has had to iterate, has had to pivot, has quote unquote failed. And we often learn a lot more from our failures than our successes. Mm. Um, Fluidity, the next one I would say, like becoming incredibly fluid when you start a company. So what's hot and happening today um, may be out the next month. Mm. So always adapting, embracing that constant change, letting go of your need for expectation or holding true to one specific thing, being fluid and letting things come in. And again, that pivoting, the idea of pivoting. And, you know, not being afraid to tell people what you're working on as well, because this is the best way to validate your idea and fluidity. A lot of times people are like, oh, but if I tell them they're going to steal it. Do you know how hard it is? We've raised over a million dollars. We've been in this for three years and we're still like a startup. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's going to take a lot for someone to steal your idea. It's possible. But um, and the last thing I would say is focus. So a big issue that I see with new business owners is blurred vision and distraction So, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs joke that they have this like squirrel mentality. Um, But once you do one thing or one avenue really, really well, then you can add other things in and you can have it all and you can do lots of things. But doing one thing well at a time is actually going to get you the impact that you're setting out to create.
0: Fantastic. Wonderful takeaways, Laura. Thank you so much for spending uh, time on the Thrive Podcast today.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rick Spence and plug into the Startup Canada network. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to thrive.